Deuces, wild motherfuckers! Yeah! And welcome to baseball season 2024. So good, man. I, it really touches my soul when I start getting box scores and highlights, and it's just awesome in every sense of the word. I I can't believe how quickly it just came, and it's here. And yeah. we got the Giants thrill today in spring training. Scored five runs in the bottom half of the first inning. They went on to tie the game 10-10. But, I mean, this is uh, this is electric, dude. I, before we even get into the Giants and what happened, on the field of play, you showed me a picture just before we came on air here that I don't think I've seen anything like this in a long time. Definitely not since any sort of playoff series or World Series in which it is mandatory. Thrill, can you please reveal the picture? To so, our North Filter Network audience. So we had talked about this. You and I had talked about it. Everybody in the chat room knows that, you know, I had talks with Bob Melvin and, and Matt Williams, and they said, we're bringing in a new attitude, and uh, we're going to treat everything first class like the Giants did of old. And this was a picture from yesterday's ball game, and just to show you the difference in mentality in what a year makes and what leadership makes. This right here is before the ball game yesterday in Scottsdale Stadium, the whole San Francisco Giant team is standing up for the national anthem in front of the dugout. That is what I'm talking about right there. That is leadership taking accountability and saying we are going to represent the San Francisco Giants, we're going to represent our city. We're going to treat this first class. And we're going to start off by beating them at the National Anthem before we beat them on the field. So I think it's great. That is fucking awesome. There's no other way to put it. In a day and age in which people disrespect the flag in our own country now, more than ever, I look at something like that, and it just gives me this warm feeling inside. Thrill, I literally oh, like that. Unbelievable! You realize unbelievable. what that means? Unbelievable, like, EB man. Awesome. Hey, after you know, after I saw that, you know, and and I made the picture, the copy, and all that, I sent it to Bob Melvin and, and Matt Williams, and I said, "Thank you, boys, for bringing back the tradition of the game." the way the Higantes used to do it. And, uh, and you know, Bob Melvin texted me back immediately. He's like, thanks so much. He said, that's the first of a bunch of changes we're going to make. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So, Thrill, I was on a radio show earlier today on Mad Dog Sports Radio with Cody Decker and Michelle Beadle, and they were asking about the Giants. And they actually specifically mentioned our show. And Cody is a big follower of everything that we do here on No Filter Network. And he said, hey, look, he goes, 
do the Giants have any sort of chance? And my response was, look, I think they're up against it for maybe even the next decade. They've been up against it for the last decade, and they're up against it for the next one. But with Bob Melvin at the helm, who is the best manager that I ever played for, reinstilling a philosophy based around teamwork, fellowship, togetherness, uh, accountability, they have something going. And remember this, you don't have to be the best team in the regular season to win a World Series. You just got to make the dance. So when you look at the Dodgers and Braves who shit all over themselves last year in the playoffs, hey, man, if I'm a big league team, say it like the Giants right now, and I'm looking at it and be like, you know what? We might not win the NL West, but it doesn't matter because if we show up and show out at the right time, a World Series championship is within the grasp as it was in 2010, 2012, and 14. And as you well know, in this day and age of the wild card, it is not how you start, it's how you finish. And whoever gets hot at the end, look how many wild card teams have become world champions here lately. It's happened a bunch. And that goes to your point of what you're talking about right there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to get over the hump. You have to beat the other teams in your division. That that has to happen. But if you can get in the, the postseason dance and all of a sudden catch that, you know, little streak of lightning and get hot, man, you can go, you make it all the way to the end. All right, Thrill. So let's take a look at the box score today because in the top of the first, Mitch Garver uh, homered on a fly ball to left center field. It was a two-run job. And then the bottom half of the first inning, Lamont Wade Jr. singled on a live drive to center. Wilmer Flores singled on a ground ball. Patrick Bailey then came up and hit a fucking grand slam to right center field. And it was 5-2 Giants just like that. Yeah, he, um, you know, it it was a first pitch, first pitch heater. And he jumped all over it with the bases drunk. Uh, and uh, didn't miss it, you know. So it, it put the Giants up, you know, uh, five to two there at the bottom of the first. But then, uh, you know, come back around. Um, Dominic Canzone, uh, you know, homered in the top of the second and it tied it up, made it five five. And then it was a, a boat race to the end. It wound up being ten to ten. But you know, I mean, hey, they had some really good things come out of it. Uh, Mr. Lee, our new leadoff hitter, got his first base hit and his first at bat. So I know that that drew quite a few, uh, you know, applauses from the audience. Uh, Mr. Estrada had two more hits, proving once again that, you know, for me, you know, Estrada and Wilma Flores are our best hitters in our lineup right now. And, uh, you know, Patrick Bailey went deep, you know, showing that, you know, some of the work he put in during the offseason hopefully translates into this year. Thrill. So I'm wearing the jersey that you you were wearing last week. Yes, you are. Given to me by Tommy Luke, who wanted you to have it. But I had to to pose it first. But I can tell you one thing. It fits you much better than it fit me. Yeah, it's it's nice and loose, man. It looked like it was a schmedium. It was a schmedium on me, yeah. Yeah, when, when when I go buy clothes, it has to have X, X, 
L in the uh, description. If it has L in the description, ooh, it's going to be a little on a tight side. So speaking of uniforms and speaking of tight side and even unbelievable either side, what's going on with the big league unis, dude? Oh my! All right, so so now this is this was the scouting report that I got at the end of last year. The clubhouse dude came up to me and goes, "Hey, I need you to try some jerseys on and and some pants." He said, "We're switching manufacturers. I think they're going to Nike, isn't that right?" Correct. Okay. So he said they're going to change some of the colors up because Nike's cream is not the same as the Giants' cream or whatever. I don't know. Well, then. You know, I don't think nothing about it. And then all of a sudden, in the last week or so, y'all have had the little brouhaha with uh, the uniforms and people are saying they're see-through and people's got their uh, package hanging out there and all that sort of stuff. And uh, one of our uh, local chat room every dayers, Bill Cornalis, he comes out and drops a... Freaking, what if the thrill played in 2024 and he drops a he drops a black on my cock area? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is getting out of control. Hey, man, you had big balls, dude. I don't want to tell you now whether hey. that's literal or figurative. It doesn't <laughs> really fucking matter because when the game was on the line, I wanted big dick coming to the plate <laughs> to go hey. ahead. Hey, hey, I got to for the Gigantes, man. Yeah. I, I, wait, what an awesome, awesome, hey, awesome hey, So, So all my guys sent me the picture, right? And then, and then uh, I don't know, a little later in the afternoon, my, my wife goes, hey, you saw that video that they posted? I said, what video? And then it was this picture, but it was like in motion, and it was ACDC singing in the background going, I got big balls. I like big balls. Oh, so good. I was like, oh, my God. God, they they're out of control now. So, look. Apparently, Rob Manfred came out and he said, "Deal with it. It's what it's going to be." I I don't get that. Look, there's obviously a huge issue with the pants, and all you got to do is make some adjustments or maybe even go back to the old pants until you figure it out. Yeah, but no, you're right. The problem thrill is that literally guys' cock and balls are visible through these pants. That's not okay. Yeah, no, you you're right. I mean, it's never been that way. And on top of that, it's almost it's almost getting to be like, you know, you know, we used to we used to have our jerseys be a little bit bigger and a little bit baggier. Because it kept, well, especially a candlestick, it kept the, the heat in. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. If you had the skin tight stuff, that wind would go right through you. And uh, and so, you know, we wore the, you know, the uniforms a little bit bigger, a little bit baggier. And I, I got comfortable with it that way. And so, you know, the, the modern day, you know, skin tight stuff. No, 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 no. That's not that's not the thrill. So I just can't believe that this has become such a big issue and they're not planning on doing anything about it at some point i guess the players can quote unquote deal with it but i wonder if it's that big of an issue that they actually 
start protesting in some fashion to go ahead and get themselves pants that fit properly and are not see-through. And so the question that becomes real, if you were that upset and you were a player and you're trying to protest these new pants that reveal everything, what would your strategy be in going about doing that? All right, so here you are, all right? So even if, you know, you you got these skin-tight unis, you can see through them, the whole works, whatever, freaking switch up your sliding pants, all right? So you don't have to wear, you don't have to wear white sliding pants to where you see through it. Wear, wear gray or wear black or something like that underneath, and you wouldn't be able to see it. It wouldn't be no big deal, you know? Another thing, too, and here's another thing, and you and I have talked about this, and I've had this discussion with freaking Casey Schmidt, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to him when I get to spring training again. Is dude, put a cup on. You're a third baseman. You're an infielder. Put a cup on. So thrill. I put some thought into this one, and my first protest would be very simple. I would tuck my jersey in, so it's not hanging down right so it's not over my ass but on my ass it would just be simply on on this butt cheek it would say kiss and on the other butt cheek it would say mine and that would be it and I would, i'm not putting ass right because that would be inappropriate but it would be kiss my and then it'd be there and that's what you would see when i'm running down to first base or trotting around the bases after going ding dong fucking donkey kong <laughs> You are a mess. That's all I can tell you. Beautiful That's mess. All I can tell you. A beautiful mess. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. But yeah, I mean, there's ways around it. You know, what I mean, so hey, look, you know, if they see through, we're we're a different colored sliding shorts. It's not that big of a deal. Jesus Christ. All you right. Gotta wear, you gotta wear sliding shorts anyway. All right. Because if you don't wear sliding shorts, you're a fucking idiot anyway. Because as soon as you hit the ground, you're gonna rip your ass up. So you gotta wear sliding shorts. Yeah, but what about guys like Jason Giambi who would wear a thong? Or Aubrey Huff or somebody like that. Aubrey yeah. Huff was, well, Aubrey yeah. Huff, got, he got the idea from Jason Giambi. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, yeah it's, that's, that's actually too much information. You know? you know, Jeter, at one point, I think, I think he actually partook in it as well when he was in a terrible slump. He, I, I remember him talking about it. I'm not sure if he actually did it. But if you do wear the thong, by the way, these guys put the thong on, and then they put the sliding shorts over the thong. So I don't think the thong would be revealing. Yeah, no. Nah, ain't no big deal. So, Okay. Anyway. Hey, a question for you here. All right. Shohei Otani made yep. his big league debut for the Los Angeles Dodgers in spring training today. He went deep, and the Dodgers – are now 5-0. and oh. We obviously know that statistically on paper, this looks like the best team in baseball. They're 5-0 and oh to get it rolling. What does a spring training record mean, if anything? For me personally, and Roger Craig believed this like big time, he wanted to create a winning atmosphere in spring training to carry over into the season. I loved it. I thought it was great because – 
I wasn't walking out there just to get work in. I was walking out there to make sure we we got our best foot forward and we tried to win the ball game from the get go. And uh, you know, so you know, for them starting out five and zero, it just creates that winning culture. And it's the same thing with the Giants. I mean, you know, Bob Melvin's you know got eight thousand people in camp right now, and he's having a chance to look at everybody. But also at the same time, I know one thing. When it gets starting to get a little bit closer to the bell, he's going to want to see, you know, that that winning attitude come out. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's actually important. I remember one year with the A's, and I, we had a ridiculous spring training record, and then we poured that thing right into the season. And it's we happened a bunch. It's happened a bunch like that. We we did the same thing. We had some we had some really good spring trainings and it carried over into the season. And especially back then, as you well know, you were playing in your division the whole first month. So you wanted to get off on the right foot, you know? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned him earlier, Jung-Hoo Lee. Yep. He ended up having three. A, a, a three. Yeah. Yeah. Good day, good day today. Yeah. Uh, any, any early thoughts on him? Have there any any reports that you've heard? Uh, I mean, you know, what, the one report that I have heard is evidently last year he was bothered by an ankle injury, and evidently now he's he's completely healthy, and they said he's running a little bit better than what they expected. So he he uh, he got a single today in the first. Um, he was running on the pitch when I think Estrada got a hit, and then he wound up scoring a run on. I don't know whether it was Estrada or Flores. He scored a run, so you know. I mean, he's looks like he was moving around pretty good today. That's that's the one one thing that I got out of today with him. So Lee signed a six year, one hundred thirteen million dollar contract over the weekend. Cody Bellinger, one of the top free agents, signed a three year, eighty million dollar contract. So uh, he's finally off the board he didn't get the years that he was looking for i gotta believe he got the average annual value of the contracts from what she was at 25 to 30 million dollar range yeah yeah and i i agree with you i think i think he was in that 25 to 30 million dollar range that he was looking at uh but he, i guarantee you he wanted probably eight ten years but he had to settle for three and that's still a big time chunk of change and uh you know, I just, I, I, you know, I shake my head. I'm like, what took that long for the Cubs to decide to do it? I mean, he was a member of the freaking Cubs last year. Why didn't you go sign your stud? And then oh, well, take I, all the guesswork out of it. Why you got to wait till right before spring training? I don't get it. Thrill, I don't think it was the Cubs waiting. I think it was Bellinger waiting to see if he would get a better deal somewhere else. I, I'm a firm believer on short-term contracts. I, I love the fact that even when I signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I, I signed a three-year deal. And yeah. in my mind, I felt like if I – that the, the alternative was Gary Matthews Jr. signed a five-year deal. Aaron Rowan signed a five-year deal. We were all very similar players if you looked right. at the numbers at the time. And I was okay – signing that deal so long as my AAV, which is that average annual value, was what theirs was, or very close to it. And right. it was. But sure enough, dude, I got hurt. Shit happens. 
and bygones be bygones. But if I went out there and had that contract, say, for example, that went five, seven, ten years, and you're not performing, I don't even think that's right. I'm serious. I don't. I I, I wouldn't even want it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, that that goes back to two schools of thought on that. And, you know, here I was, you know, being an eight, nine-year-old player, you know, I wanted – you know, the tenure and I would have taken less money for the tenure to stay with the Giants. And I told them, I told them that and they didn't agree. So anyway, so, you know, that's past history, but my dad always told me something. And I always remembered this. He said, you know, a lot of times you don't get it on the front end, you get it on the back end. And I started thinking about that. And, you know, it's, it's the truth. I mean, you know, so for, for my era, you had to play at least three years and you had to negotiate all three years before you even thought about, you know, free agency was year six. Year six. Yeah, arbitration year three. Arbitration was after three. So yeah. you had to negotiate for three years. And then if you if they didn't sign you in that arbitration year, you still had to negotiate one year contract. So, you know, it gave you something to play for and it also gave you something to where you went in to talk to Al Rosen and you said, Hey, I answered the bell, big boy. You know, I, I, I got, you know, I, I sucked up to the, to the pressure and I did the job and uh, you need to pay me for that. I think ultimately, and I'm sure it was the same for you. It's, it's the same for all the players. The player gets to make the decision, right? Like it, this isn't, everyone wants to put it on the agent, but the deal is presented to the player. Yeah. And the club could go directly to the player as the Diamondbacks did with me and say, hey, look, this is what we have for you. Do you want it? Do you want to take it, leave it? What? Do you want to negotiate it? And I think that's okay. I'm starting to get a bit concerned over a Matt Chapman. I think Jordan Montgomery and Blake Snell are going to be just fine because they're pitchers. But, dude, Chapman needs to be in there getting at bats right now. Yep, and he's you're right. still in the prime of his career. You're right. I, he, he's going to wind up. He's going to wind up having to go freaking play minor leagues or independent ball or something to get abs. Seriously, yeah. But you know, hey, look, you know, that's that, and that's the thing about these guys now. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned Bellinger and and Snell and all of those. They're all Boris dudes, you know. So so what if uh, what if uh, what if we flip the tables here? What if Boris is holding back a little bit here to get? you know, his clients to get more money and stuff like that. Well, he obviously is, dude. Yeah, I mean, I mean fuck, it's it's uh, evident. You know, but the, and that was the thing. That was the thing, you know, when I when I uh, negotiated with Al Rosen, Josh knows because he's in the chat room right now. But, I mean, you know, Al always was fair. He always met in the middle. And I was like, you met in the middle. I'm meeting in the middle. Let's go play ball, you know. And it's like it worked out great. Hey, so of all the spring training facilities that you've been to, do you have one specifically in the Cactus League that you like more than others? Well, I mean, you know, we had the older ballparks. We had to go to freaking Yuma for the Padres, and we had to go to Palm Springs for the Angels. Come on. Um, yeah, Tempe was uh, the Angels. No, it wasn't the Angels. It was the Mariners. Um, Mesa was the Cubs. Phoenix was uh, Oakland, 
So, you know, I mean, yeah. yeah so, I mean, we, we had some different, different feels and stuff like that. We played, we played the A's so many times. I mean, I played over there at Phoenix Muni so many times. Uh, but I actually, believe it or not, I actually did not mind taking the trip to Tucson and playing. Uh, it, it used to be the Cleveland Indians down there. And it was, it was just a great hitter's background. I always went to that ballpark and raked. So I, I loved it. Dude, I was the same way. So I raked in that field. When I played, it was the Rockies who okay. were taking over that facility. But then when I was either with the A's or then eventually when I was with the Diamondbacks, we had that – I forget the name of it, but we had that stadium, the same sort of thing, just awesome hitters backdrop, Tucson's elevation – uh, I believe it's higher than Phoenix, so the ball flew even better and went down there and absolutely fucking destroyed it. So yeah. I'm with you. I like that hour and a half drive. I'd load the boys yeah. up in the van and there uh, we went. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I mean, the whole the whole way we're driving down there, I'm looking for freaking coyotes and deer and jackrabbits and shit like that. I could care less. I had a good time on the bus. But, uh, hey, one of the things, you know, I even just brought it up just now is Phoenix Muni. You know, we play – we play, uh, you know, Oakland there every spring training a bunch. And, uh, you know, so you got used to hitting there and all that sort of stuff. When uh, we broke camp, Phoenix Muni was the Giants AAA facility. And Matt Williams got sent down. Oh, God. This was, what, 87? I don't know. Somewhere in there. I, I, it might have been 87. I don't know. And he got sent down. He hit. 22 homers in 27 games there at Phoenix Muni, and they called him back up, and they said, you ain't going back down again. I mean, you want to talk about a freaking hitter's background and a place you wanted to hit, Matt Williams proved it. Yeah, but, dude, I think of all the ballparks that I played in down there, Phoenix Muni, it was fine, but – I, I'd say Scottsdale, Scottsdale to right field, the ball flies great. Yeah, yeah. Scottsdale to like left center and center. That's a fucking poke, man. It's like 420 yeah. out there. Yeah, no, no. But, but I, I don't know. I mean, every time we went to Phoenix Muni, I mean, that ball shot out of left field. I don't know why. I mean, but. You, 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 know, uh, you know who's playing there now? Who? Arizona State. Seriously? Yeah. Really? Yep, and and Willie Bloomquist, the former big leaguer, Arizona State star, and uh, Seattle Mariner utility player, just a little baller, is the head coach of A-State. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I know one thing thing right up the road. I mean, literally, I'm I'm not talking about a quarter of a mile right up the road. It's across from the, the, the zoo. Is called Papago Park, and that is now the San Francisco Giants minor league facility. They got seven fields up there, and they Sick. built a humongous new clubhouse and all that sort of state of the art everything. And that's literally right up the street from Phoenix, old Phoenix Muni. Dude, Papago Park is fucking awesome, bro. That's yeah. where we we had the A's minor league facilities there at Papago Park. So then the question becomes, what happened to that shithole? That used to be the Giants minor league park. Oh, <laughs> you're talking about the, the public facilities on Hayden Boulevard down there. 
Yeah, yeah, where they're playing yeah. tennis and hoops and like minor leaguers are like going around the tennis courts and yeah, no, yeah, yeah, to like yeah, to like get carts and go winder around and all that. And yeah, I mean, you, you hit a you hit a homer, you hit it up there on Hayden, you freaking break windows and shit. So it was yep. awesome. Oh yeah. You know what I liked about it though? So they had well, at least one of the fields was the exact same dimensions as. AT&T Park, Pac Bell, Oracle Now Park, right? So yeah. they had yeah. it perfectly laid out with the right field wall and, and everything else. Yeah, that's interesting because, dude, you have those fields, and then now what happens when these teams pack up and leave? The A's, the same sort of thing, because Papago was there, and they took off, right? They were gone. They, they took over the yep. Cubs' old facility, and yep. so they moved, they all moved there. And then that Papago sat vacant for a while. And I was wondering what was going to happen with it. And so, I, I mean, this is breaking news to me. Yeah, no. No, it was, it was awesome. And, and I mean, you know, it's been two years. And I have Trey and I were even talking about this the other day. You know, it's been two years since I've been to spring training because last year I had surgery, couldn't make it. So I'm looking forward to seeing the new changes because when I was there the last time, they were just finishing up the clubhouse. And they tell me it's – freaking game on in there now um one of the things one of the things uh you and i are going to talk about here in a minute and papa joe manuele is in the audience he got a will the thrill card some sort of way or another in some special pack or something and then uh rodolfo's mentioning right now autism night is going to be on friday august 30th and it's uh, Rodolfo's birthday, uh, Linda and, and Nora usually show up at that autism banquet too. And then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let Bernsey talk about the card right here. Let me get, let me get a picture of the hat they're going to give away. Yeah. Well, the, the card was, I believe like four or five autographed Will Clark cards. So what they're doing now is they're creating these new cards and they're, it's brilliant. So uh, like for me, sure, I would take an Ellie David Cruz card, but baseball card trading is not. It's it's always about the nostalgia for me. I I haven't looked at it as a business. I haven't looked at it as gambling, but a lot of people do. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a businessman and I like to gamble. So. I think I could get more into this, but Giuseppe Pepe Manuele, the co-founder of No Filter Network, is super into the business and gambling element of the cards. And so he bought into this pack. I don't know. It was a couple weeks ago or last week. And what he pulled was an auto will the thrill card. And yeah. here he is. Double, there he is. What's up, Ladies boys? and gentlemen. What's up, dude? Yeah, Eric, you're doing a terrible job explaining it, so I'm glad you Okay. Know. All right, go ahead on, JoJo. There we you, go. You fired up. You fired up. So Fanatics Live is a live streaming service. Fanatics bought Tops, right? And Tops licenses uh, a few, you know, most of the current players, if not all, and then selects uh, players who played the game, the greats of the game. And they've got a fabulous new product called Tops Five Star, which I have right here. And there's basically two cards in each box. And so I bought, basically I bought the San Francisco Giants hoping I got a thrill card. 
and uh, I hit big. I hit a four of five card. Um, let me just pull it up right here. And signed by Will. And you know what's really cool? Like, Will, you are known for having one of the nicest autos. Yeah. Like, a lot of the kids just do a little scramble, right? But Yeah. Like yeah, here, it's not, not exactly legible. Here's the card. It's gorgeous. It's an incredible card. And I haven't gotten it yet. I should be getting it tomorrow. And um, it, what I love about it is you put the little 22 on your name too, Will. It's, yeah. Uh, so you're, you're known in the hobby, as we call it, as having one of the nicest signatures. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, thanks. Oh, and, uh, so, yeah. So, you know, for, for everybody else in the audience, you know, they, they you know, tops who now, like you said, is owned by Fanatics. They're, Fanatics is becoming everywhere. Um, they they send out autographs. And I'm not going to fly anywhere. And I'm not going to have somebody sitting over my shoulder and putting a sticker on everything every time I sign yeah. something. So they ship me a bunch of cards. I sign them, make sure they're dry and all that. And I ship them right back to them. And a lot of them are exactly what you're talking about. They're sets. And it'll say one through 99, or it'll say, you know, one through five, like, like you have there. The one through fives, okay, or the one through 99s, they're all the same card. But what they do is they change the border of it. So right. you'll have a silver border. You have a black border. You have a green border. You have a, you know, and then that, that switches the evidently value around. Yeah, the scarcity of it, for sure. Yeah, and if you get, like, I got a Vladimir Guerrero. They're doing some really crazy things now where they're taking relics. So they're doing bat relics now. They take a piece of your, of yeah. your helmet. Yeah. And um, and then they put they put that on a card. I got a Dave Ortiz, you know, helmet yep. relic. They do, and, they do helmets, they do bats, and they do jerseys on right. the cards. Yeah, the jerseys yeah. are cool. They have yeah. some with buttons on them too, which, which make them rare. Um, so anyway, one of the things we wanted to talk about quickly in, in, in next week, we, we wanted to like the problem with the breaks on on that I've joined is that people can just join on chat. The breakers do their thing. And Bernsey and I were talking, so it would be fun if we actually did a break on no filter during Deuces Wild, right? So one of the things that we wanted to do, and let me just change my camera real quick. Oh, it's not All right. While you're doing that, here, Rodolfo, you and Linda and Mike, Josh, Tommy, that's going to be the hat for the Autism Night giveaway right there. So cool. So I love that. Just giving you all a, a heads up as to what the Autism Night. So, you know, if you guys make it down to Triple's Alley and all that, you guys will definitely get a hat. So thrilled. Tell the audience how it works with the auto signings. As far as what? Just as far as when, you know, Tops comes to you, you sign a deal with them, you have to sign X amount of cards for X amount of money. Do you get paid per card? Do you get paid an annual salary of? You get paid, you get paid by card and for a certain amount of cards over a certain time period. Right. So check this out, and then I'll let Pepe go. The last I got an offer just just recently. I, seriously, it was maybe eight months ago or something, right? To sign two thousand cards, and I forget what the number was, but it wasn't big. And I thought about it, and I'm like, there is no fucking way 
that I'm going to spend that much time sitting down signing that many fucking cards for that amount of money. Like it just it didn't. I'm like, I'm going to flood the market with bullshit. And it just didn't make any yeah. sense. So I was just curious how like the plush uh, Hall of Famers or should be Hall of Famers actually uh, it, it, what kind of deal. Because I had a random guy reach out to me. I, it, it wasn't even like tops directly. He would say, hey, here's 2,000 cards. And this is the amount that I'm going to give you. What's cool about what Thrill does, he does on card. He doesn't sign stickers. So he actually signs the physical cards. And he's not in every product. He's very selective of what he is, what he's in. So it's really cool. And, and there was a quick correction. Mike was telling me, I, Five Star is not a new Tops product. The, the, the 2023 product that Will is in was released a couple of weeks ago. So that's that's what's new about it. So, uh, but yeah, it, if and I guess what you're doing is probably with a card shop guy or an autograph guy, Bernsey, right? Who's trying to sell it. So uh, the, the business has actually grown. It, it grew through uh, COVID. It, it has. It has, Joe. You 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 hit the nail on the head. So Bernsey, it was it was big. I mean, huge. Josh Josh Tarot comment on it, but it was big back in the late '80s, early '90s, and then it hit like a little lull. And then about the last, ooh, what would you say, Joe? Five, eight years? Yeah, I think it really accelerated through COVID. Thrill people. Yeah, were yeah. I mean, it really picked back up, and so you're getting a lot of exposure you know, to, to sign these autographs and, uh, you know, from not only tops and fanatics and all that, but also there's another company out there, Panini, that kind of thing. Panini, too. Yeah. So they're, Panini is back. Yeah. So they're Panini, back. Panini has deals with individual players, but they don't have rights to major leagues. So you can buy a Panini card, but they'll take out the, like if thrill did a deal with Panini, they wouldn't be allowed to use the giants logo. Right. And so that, normally they don't make a card. For me personally, yeah. what they do is they block some stuff out and then I'll sign those stickers and then they'll put them on there. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, real- here's, another one. here's another one for you, Joe. Uh, matter of fact, um, Linda, Linda brought this up. So let me show you. This is a new deal that the Giants want to do for also Autism Night, and it's called the Bobble Card. And so yeah. check this out. This is actually like a bobblehead in like a baseball card almost yeah right that's the front of it and then and then the back of it the back of it looks looks like a regular regular baseball card all right and so because the front is kind of i guess you want to say it's hollowed out there's no way for me to kind of sign so i think i'm gonna have to turn it around sign on the back of the card Wow. Are they are they selling I, those thriller? Well, I think that's that? another one of the autism night deals. And so right. Linda brought it up, you know, that so if you guys can make it, you know, to yeah. to the autism night and triples alley and all that sort of stuff, you guys will be hooked up with all that. Yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely be there, Thrill. We'll definitely yeah. be there this yeah. year. Uh so hey, I'll let you guys go. Next week we'll have some fun. We're gonna sell some breaks. We're gonna give away a lot of free stuff as well. And um you know, I have a, a, a local guy makes custom cards and he made me a custom Wilf, uh, the Thrill card, which we will give away next week on the show. It is absolutely spectacular. I don't know if I want to give it up, uh, but Thrill, maybe I'll ship it to you. I'll get you to sign it and we'll, we'll oh, give yeah, it away. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, definitely. Cards. I'll do that. I'll do that to help everybody. But, you know, another thing, too, while, while you're on here, Joe, EB and I were talking about it right, right before we came on. You know, now that, 
you know, it's spring training, you know, all, all up the hoop and the holler is up and running. Uh, I even told DB, I said, if you wanted me to, I'll bring all, uh, uh, I'll bring all the equipment down there and we'll do the show next Tuesday from, from the hotel room or whatever. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So Absolutely. oh yeah, that's Absolutely. probably what we're going to do next week. We'll do the spring training edition of deuces oh, wild yeah. and everything will be freaking right up on top of my brain because I'll have seen it for four or five days in a row. That'll be amazing. Yeah. Pepe, explain to me real quick though. I mean, you had the box up there. You had the PayPal up there. So essentially, yeah. I, I think Battleborn Mike, and I explained this to you earlier, is the only one that really understand how these things work. Can you further explain so for the yeah. for the, the common baseball fan? Yeah. So typically, when you buy into a break, you're not buying the box. You're buying a team, right? So in a box, where this is a half a box, we have uh, we're going to break four five star products, and there's only going to be eight cards in there, right? Um, so we, you buy into a team for, you know, whatever, say 50 bucks and then we'll randomize it. And let's say Battleborn buys three spots. He ends up with the giants, the angels and the Dodgers. And then if we pull a card that's with the Dodgers, he gets that card basically is the way it works. And we're going to make sure that everyone gets something. We'll ship a bunch of stuff, but we have some no filter swag. We'll get you and thrill to sign some stuff and, and give it away. It's more just, uh, to give a little bit back since baseball season is starting and uh, to do a little salute to, uh, to the hobby, you know, like it's uh, I think it's great, honestly. And, and, you know, thrill one of the fun things, the things, the cards that are that worth the most are these upcoming rookie cards. So Ellie De La Cruz is like the chase in the 2024 top series one. Um, and, but there's a bunch of other rookies like Matos from the giants is like the giants card. It's yeah. Thrill, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, Joe said that the other day to me, and I—I I mean, explain to me how good is Matos? Matos is great. I mean, I—you know—he's—he's he's the guy. He's the guy that I was telling you that I compared a lot to Pablo Sandoval in that he has unbelievable hand-eye coordination. His big problem is swinging at strikes because he—he—he he does so good. He goes outside the strike zone, and swings at balls, and I'm trying to get him to freaking harness his stuff and just especially when he gets a chance to drive in runs, look for a pitch to drive and not just some bullshit pitch he swings at. Speaking of Pablo Sandoval thrill, the Giants signed Pablo Sandoval. He's in big league camp. I don't know. I didn't look at the box. We were looking at the box. I don't think he got an at-bat today. Uh, yeah, he did. He he didn't. He uh, walked and he, he uh, grounded out. So he was 0 for 1. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean – the, the Giants signed Pablo Sandoval. He's 37 years old. They signed him to a minor league deal. Uh, it's one of those things, if he makes the major leagues, great. Uh, if not, he's going to probably be a mentor to a lot of the younger Latinos and stuff like that. So, you know, it's probably a dual role. Plus, knowing how the Giants are, it's a big PR push, too, as well. So. Yeah, but they don't need to do that, right? Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. They, they always find ways to do that. Don't worry. They're going to stick that PR in there. Another thing, too, here's another one. I just – I didn't even know this, and and I, just because I hadn't looked too much, but uh, we signed Nick Ahmed, uh, long-time, yes. long-time shortstop, you know, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, two-time gold glover, uh, a 
you know, uh, he's been 10 years in the big leagues. He's had a history of arm problems. He had surgery in 2022, and so he's coming back from that. But the uh, the Giants signed him to a minor league deal. So, you know, that's the old backup Luciano in case he don't make it. Thanks. So that brings up the fact that Brandon Crawford signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. What should we expect from Crawford? Wow. I just I texted him yesterday, you know, when I when I heard the news, told him congratulations, you know, uh unbelievable that uh, you know he 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 left the Giants and went to probably as good, if not better, organization in the in the Cardinals. He's gonna he's gonna absolutely love it over there in St. Louis. And uh, you know, from one giant that went to become a Cardinal later in life to another one, I hope he has a lot of success. Giuseppe Pepe Manuele, before we let you go, Jerry Park used to go to in Montreal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and did you ever have an opportunity to make it down to Florida to watch the Expos in spring training? I did. So the Expos trained in West Palm Beach. And, you know, so the, the very different West Coast, East Coast. So you think about this month of March, you're so fed up in winter, man. You are just so absolutely fed up. And uh, going down to spring training, the players are right there. Everyone's accessible. And, um, you know, it was just the, the the heat, the smell of the grass, the crack of the bats. It kind of gave you hope <laughs> when you went back home. Of course, sometimes you go back home, you get a snowstorm at the end of March, which which is the worst. But um, it was absolutely the, the best, best experience. Jerry Park, by the way, was a pretty cool place. I, I I saw Rusty Staub play there like back in the day, right? That's how yeah. I am. Yeah, Grand Orange. That's right, the Grand Orange. Will knows what's up, and um, you know it's it was a natural park in the middle of nowhere. They play tennis there now. They actually convert it into a big tennis court. They do the big tennis open, and then they built that big cement toilet bowl called the Olympic Stadium with that awful turf, and. You know, <laughs> Like how many careers we ruined, thrill, right? Like, oh my God, we had somebody get hurt in Montreal every year. I hated that freaking place. It was, but Jerry Park was before your time, wasn't it? Thrill, yeah, it was before my time. But, but I heard all the stories. You know why? Because uh, Ron Fairley was one of our announcers. Ron played at Jerry Park for forever and talked about the sun setting and looking into it and all that. You know, so yeah, it had its issues, but it was it was a small park. And it was natural grass. And, you know, this is where they, they, they would say, nos expo, nos amour, which was our expos, our loves. Like the, the city just loved that team. And I, I really hope we, we, get, we get a team back up there. Like it's hopefully we're one of the two in the expansion. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But. Giuseppe Pepe Manuele, uh, last question here. What makes the Montreal titty bars so special? <laughs> uh that's, you know, Montreal is the one place on earth where uh, the women just try harder. They just do, you know, like <laughs> if they just go to the corner store, they take the time to, to look good. You know, you won't see any women in Montreal walking out in sweats and, and sandals. It's just not what they do. They, they just they'll put their lipstick on and they'll put a little perfume on and they'll, you know, they'll, they make sure they look good. And then, you know, it's just a cultural thing. You go, you go to a titty bar for lunch for a business lunch. It was perfectly normal. It was like there was nothing wrong with that. 
Go down to Super Saturday. Yeah, I'm going to get a steak at Le Chez Paris. Chez Paris. Uh, thrilled. This is a whole other conversation. But one of my best friends was a bouncer there one summer. And needless to say, it was one of the best summers of my life. So I'll just get that. I'll <laughs> bet. Yeah. Chez Paris was like the major leagues. All the all the good-looking girls want, aspired to dance at Chez Paris. And the, and the Chez Paris, believe it or not, was two blocks from – the hotel that every team stayed at. And it was about two blocks from where the Montreal Canadians play in, in yeah. uh, the old Montreal form on St. Catherine and Atwater. Yeah, there was um, a lot happening in the shape hurry. <laughs> after a hockey game, yeah. what you did, a good Saturday night, you go watch a hockey game and then you go stand in line at shape hurry. There you and, go. You know, have a beer with the boys and talk about how the Habs are going to win another Stanley Cup. <laughs> so when I was rehabbing in Reno, I – was looking for some good sushi. And I asked the clubhouse guy, I said, hey, look, I said, where's a, a place I could get some good sushi around here? And he said, honest to God, the absolute best sushi in the Reno Lake Tahoe area is at the Gentleman's Club right down the street here. Yeah, that's a stretch, boy. I don't know if I want to eat sushi. Out of well, Pepe, you know I tested it out, and he was fucking spot on, man. <laughs> incredible. Uh, smells like fish and tastes like chicken, right? <laughs> oh Lord Jesus! All right. Well, on that note, we need to switch it up a little bit. Oh, hey, uh, see a thrill. One of the one of the things I wanted to bring up, all right, because this, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, Montgomery being out there, Schnell being out there. We've got. Keaton Wynn and Tristan Beck, two of our young guys. Two guys, well, no, not necessarily Beck, but Wynn has had a history of injury problems in the minor leagues. Both of those guys have been shut down here in spring training. Uh, Keaton Wynn had some shoulder issues or elbow issues, one of them, and uh, and he he got a he got a good report on his MRI, but then Tristan Beck came down with some discomfort in his hand so evidently he's got some numbness going on he might have a nerve issue or something like that so these are the kind of things that i will be reporting back on next week thrill is there one specific the one that sticks out in my mind is the willie mays one that you told me uh but one specific story that you could think of over the years in spring training I don't know if it was like maybe a prank, maybe something that happened in a game, something that happened oh, hell yeah. at the Pink hell Pony yeah. or anywhere else in the Scottsdale area. Is there is there anything that's just kind of popping to mind right now? Well, I mean, you know, the the one of my best ever stories is Ricky Gone. I mean, I tell you Ricky Gone 10,000 times, and that happened in spring training. So so that story. Another one, too, um, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but – my rookie year, it was my birthday. Uh, I always had a birthday in spring training, and we were playing against the Cubs in Mesa. And so we went over there to Mesa, played the game, came back, and I walk in in my clubhouse, and I had just bought a brand spanking new pair of lizard skin boots. And there are these boots in my locker, and they're painted fluorescent orange. And they got no. little Converse stars on them, and they got Nike swooshes, and it says Air Thrill on the side of them. And, I mean, they, 
they did a good job on them. And, um, and I'm looking around and like everybody in the clubhouse is staring at me. Right. And I go, I go like this. I go, you guys got me good. Nice job. Nice job. You know? And I just, I just played along with it. And, uh, the next day, Mike, yeah, everybody got a big laugh of it, you know? And the next day, Mike Kruka walked up to me and he goes, he goes, you know, he said, that was a test. I go, Oh, I know it was a test. He goes, he goes, you know, if you'd have been an ass about it, he said, you know, he said, we'd have buried you. He said, but you were so cool about it. And he goes, here. And he freaking gave me a brand spanking new pair of boots. So That's incredible, dude. Yeah. And it's exactly what yeah. you would expect. And the whole thing's a test. And I told you the story about David Justice and going to dinner at Capitol Grill and losing credit card roulette. And then signing yeah. off on a bill that was ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. And then David Justice on the walk home jumps on my back and hands me the receipt that says void. And he goes, you wore that better than anybody I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, and I got you. I yeah, just, yeah. and it, that's, that's, that's what it is, man. It's, it's initiation is a passing down of a right. And you know, the people that, you know, got the ass and, you know, became little, little bitches about it. They didn't hang around the clubhouse too often. No, and, they, and it just kept coming. Cause right, it's like you if you flick the guy's ear and he just keeps it's just if they keep reacting, you keep reacting, they're gonna keep prying on that guy. Is there anything yeah. that, that you did when you got you know older and more established that you say eventually fucked with some of the rookies that were coming up? Well, I mean, you know, it, it got to be a right. And it was, you know, it was Kruko and Brindley and a, a lot of the veterans that ran the show about, you know, painting the balls of the horse in Chicago. And then, you know, those guys, you know, over the course of the years, they went by the wayside. And you look around the clubhouse and it's, you know, me and Matt Williams and Robbie Thompson. It's like, all right, boys, we need to we need to bring all the boys over there to paint the balls of the horse. And uh, and we just we just took it and ran with it. And it. It got to be our thing, so. So the paint the balls of the horse. Explain that one. I've heard all about it. It's amazing. All right, so we'll end on this. On the way, on the way from downtown Chicago, on the way to Wrigley Field, you're going along Lakeshore, and there's this triangular shaped park, and in it is this guy on a horse, and I want to say his name's Sheridan, um, and his horse is reared up on his back legs, and the horse has a set of balls about this big, right? And, you know, I mean, we've been talking about balls all night, so here we go again. But anyway, so you got to climb like something stupid, like 15 feet. You got to shimmy up this stupid-ass horse and spray paint the balls of the horse, right? And, you know, it depended on who came in before you. If it, if they were yellow, you knew Pittsburgh was there. If it was blue, you knew the Dodgers had just come into town. And so – you know, so we'd, we'd send, you know, however many rookies there were. We, we had a chain gang up there spray painting the balls of the horse, fluorescent orange. I mean, these big-ass balls were fluorescent orange. So you knew the Giants were in town. So then one year, one year, matter of fact, Darren Lewis was the instigator of this because we went up there, and it was raining, right? And so he, nobody cared because they were freaking three sheets to the wind. They all jumped up there and they spray painting the balls of the horse. They look good. We get in the 
we get in the team bus because I had stolen the team bus, and we drive around the park, and Darren Lewis goes, they're not orange enough, and everybody else is taking shots, and they're drinking. They're like, no, they're not orange enough. Let's do it again. And so we pull back around, and they climb back up there again, and they respray painted everything again. So, oh my goodness, D. Lou. Okay, there's so a Darren Lewis story for you. So then, I mean, as the legend goes, the Chicago Police Department's in on this, aren't they? Oh yeah, they're in on it. They're in on it. And uh, there was this one guy who showed up, and it, it was my it was my last year, so it was '93, and. Uh, <laughs> And we run a few guys up there, and all of a sudden, turn around, and there's two cops standing there. And one guy is playing the good guy, and one guy is playing the bad guy, you know? But the guy who was playing the bad guy was, like, serious about it. I mean, right. he, didn't, he didn't know any better. He was a rookie, too. And uh, so the guy who was the good guy, you know, I got him off on the side, and I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, is he serious? I mean, is he going to try to lock somebody up? He's like, hey, he's pretty freaking piss poor about it. I go, is there something monetarily I can do to make sure that my guys get home? He goes, yeah, that probably is something. And so I said, all right. So uh, I shimmied him a few hundies and uh, off we got in the bus and see you later. We left. Oh, great to see the corruption going on within the Chicago. Oh yeah. Chicago PD at its finest. And so clarify this one more time. You said, quote, I, stole the team bus yes i stole the team bus we had 13 rookies one year and uh we had no way to get them over there except taking 10 taxis i said hell with that and i knew where the bus was and i've driven buses before i got in and cranked that bitch up off we went here we go no fucking way man where the guy thrill stole the team bus that's almost as good as Madison Bumgarner going up to the bus driver when they broke down along what the the highway ten going down to Tucson, and he goes pop the hood. <laughs> let me let me look under that bitch. Yeah, yeah, that comes back. <laughs> the carburetors, whatever. Fantastic. All right, hey, look, right. Look, look, I mean, a bus is the same as a car. It's just got a push button. Well, you, they, they had to push buttons before the freaking cars had to push buttons on them. And, I've, never uh, driven, I've never driven a fucking bus. Like, yeah, I, you I, I, I know where the kill switch is and all that. And it's it's just, it's like, it's like, dri- well, shit, I drove a Suburban my whole life. It's like driving a Suburban. You just got to pull a little wider around the corner. I mean, this is it. We used to have Sal Fasano. Uh, used oh to be. Oh my God, Sal Fasano, love him, love him. So he he used to. We used to sit on the bench, the goon squad, and we do something about somehow to do with Sal Fasano, like riding the bus or driving the bus. And so we'd sit there as a unit, and we're like just like the five bench guys, right? And it's like one, two, three, four, five. And then whenever Sal, I, I think it was whenever Sal did something, we we'd hop on there, and everyone would go like this. Wheels of the bus go round and round, round and round, round and round. I mean, just wheels of the bus go round and round. I mean, it's epic, epic. All right, you know, hey, Linda, Linda, Linda put on there. She said, "Did y'all ever prank teammates?" And I go, uh, "That happened every day, Linda. Every day, something got pranked. Somebody had a had something going on." So there's one guy. 
that I won't fuck with. And that's the big Marine, Matt Williams. Oh, my God. Oh, did, you ever, did you ever you know mess with him? Oh, I've messed with him all the time. Oh, geez, of course you did. I mess with him all the time because, you know, Matt came down to New Orleans and lived with me for like two weeks back in 87 or 88, one of them. And we hit and we worked out together during the offseason and we hit for like two weeks straight. That was the that was the uh, story I told you about where the guy was over here in our conversation in a bar and Matt just freaking smoked him, knocked him out. Yeah, so, replay, replay that one real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd been down there for two weeks and then, you know, it's it's time for him to go home. So we're gonna we're gonna put a little uh, lather on and we're in we're in one of my favorite watering holes. Know everybody in there, know the bartenders, the owners, the whole works. And uh yeah, so Matt and I are talking shop. I mean, we were just talking bullshit about hitting and pitching and positioning and all of that. And some guy's sitting there next to us, and he's probably, I don't know, 60 years old, I guess. And he goes, he's listening to everything we're saying. And he goes up to Matt and he goes, hey, uh, are you Matt Williams? And he goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, you didn't have too good of a year last year. Matt, without even without even batting an eye, went whop and freaking dumped him off of his bar stool, knocked him out cold. Everybody came up to me and goes, Will, you got to get him out of here. I go, you think? <laughs> exactly why I say. Well, anyway, so Matt and I, Matt and I we're, we, hey, we're friends from way back, way back when. I mean, his rookie year, my my second, third year, uh, he was first-round draft choice. I was the first-round draft choice. Uh, you know, we we played the, the two corners for a long time at Candlestick. I got the utmost respect for him, but at the same time, we messed with him as much as possible. I can't I can't wait to hear how this goes next week. I, I'm really looking forward. Wait, what, uh, day are you going, what day are you going out there? Uh, we'll be out there on the first. So, yeah. Okay. So that's Friday, first, right? First through the sixth. So, and then first time I do, I'm going to walk up to him. I'll give him a big old freaking bear hug. Dude, that's funny. I'm actually going to Houston. I'll be in Houston. Really? Wow. Yeah. From about wow. the first to the sixth. We got a big, yeah, got a tournament down there. Yeah. Big one, man. 80 teams. So oh, nice. Just, uh, nice. This ought to be a huge test for the boys. Nice. Good. Good. All right, man. You know well, you know I got I to tell you this right now. Please. I got to tell you this right now because I got a guy down here. He's actually the guy that taught me my swing. You met him at their Jersey retirement. Most of y'all met him at the Jersey retirement. Barry Butera is his name. And Barry was a – Triple A, you know, uh, batting champion. He was Wade Boggs' roommate with the Red Sox. He never made it up to the major leagues, had some knee problems, stuff like that. But just an awesome freaking hitter. And he runs a a middle school down here. Well, the whole time he's run the middle school down here, he's had a baseball team. And, you know, you're talking about fifth through, like, eighth graders. Sure. And – he teaches them the right way. He teaches them like you would teach them, like, you know, I'd teach them, you know, hey, you got to be right here for cutoffs and relays. When you when you take your crow hop, this is how you get your arm up. You know, it's stuff like that, right? Details. Yeah, exactly. And so 
when you're telling me, you know, about Biscuit and them playing and, you know, how great a teams they're playing and all that, he's telling me the same thing. He's telling me that these teams that come in to play him, he said, Will, he says, nobody teaches instruction anymore. He said they, mm-hmm. they play these travel ball teams and they just want their money and they chunk them out there and they let them go play. He said, but these kids don't know the fundamentals of baseball. And he says, they come in and they play us and our little – fifth to eighth graders and he said we beat the piss out of them yeah you know he said they practice the day, yeah he said the other day they had some eighth graders come in that were you know five ten six foot you know in that he said in his fifth and sixth grader team he said beat the crap out of them yep well so yeah dude but it, it all has to do with like like you said people are hitting and throwing more than ever so they're it's just pound 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 how can i hit the ball as far as possible and throw, 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 throw. But what gets lost in all this is all the little things that actually help you win baseball games. Cutoffs and relays is everything. Knowing where to go, the 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 double cut with the trailer, all that stuff. The leads on the base pass. I judge teams by the leads that they take. They don't have to be fast. What kind of leads and secondaries are they taking? Are they reacting on balls in the dirt i you know what i know we're gonna beat the dog snot out of people is when i'm watching this team that's incredibly talented and you look out there and you got the left fielder playing like over by the line the center fielder and right center and the right fielders just fucking like in the gap and those guys are a bunch of the positioning that the coaches don't even pay attention to i think it's it's crazy um, look, I, I don't, I don't want to criticize it because I think uh, kids getting outside and playing ball, that's the most important thing. But I do think that we've gotten away from a lot of the fundamentals. And so the one thing at being a team that look, Biscuit and Gianni practiced yesterday, but we have, you know, two players in Northern California. we got five in Southern California. we got three in Arizona. So because we have all this, it's tough. But the first thing we do every single time is come together, practice. That's why last weekend, a couple weekends ago, it was it was last weekend. We had an awesome uh, – we got rained out, had the opportunity to have two huge practices. And I said we went 3-0 in the tourney, and then they canceled it. I said the fact that they canceled that tourney was way better for us than if we were just to run away and go you know, 5-0, 6-0 and, and win the thing. We went yeah, bring it over. We had a chance to practice and become a team. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And you get to see how good like guys really are, right? Like you get to see, I get to see more from the kids. And there was one kid that he's new to the team. He's from Arizona. Um, and I got to see him in all these different positions. I got to see him at short. I got to see him at second. I got to see him catch. And I got and see the movements and throw down a second. And then I got to do some instruction with them, right? Hey, this is where we want to be on the double cuts. You're going to be the guy that goes out. At this point, we're going to have the first baseman trail. When you get it, I want you to fire it. You know, like, like let's let's lengthen the throws a little bit. Yeah, so it was just a weekend spent going over details. And I, I had more fun, and I feel like the boys got more out of it than any tournament that we could have played in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. So, so now, now check this one out. So, you know – being an infield most of my life, but also having played in the outfield, I know kind of both ends of things. And no matter what happens, 
and I've, I've definitely done this more as an instructor now. When the shortstop second basemans are having a discussion, I'll go out there and I'll just listen and talk about, you know, their footwork and how certain coaches talk this footwork, certain coaches talk that footwork, whatever. But me as an instructor, it gives me more uh, flexibility. One of the things that I was always told from the when I was a little leaguer until I was in college, till I was in the major leagues, keep the pitcher out of the play, right? Okay, fine. So, candlestick, you know it well. Everybody in the audience knows it well. Josh has seen me do it a thousand times. If there was a fly ball down the left field line, right? Matt Williams goes out. Jose Uribe goes out. Whoever the left fielder was at the time, whether it be Kevin Mitchell, Barry Bonds, whoever, they all got that little triangle going out there. Who's at third base right now? Interesting. Nobody, yeah. right? Yeah. Robbie Thompson's at second base. He has to maintain that. Do we want our catcher going up to third base? He's never been a corner infielder in his life. No, stay there. I'm a corner infielder. I'll go across the diamond. So yeah. anytime there was a ball down the left field line, I was on a dead sprint to third base. And if I could tell you how many times I got to third base, received the throw, and tagged the guy, I swear to God, you would be, like, amazed. And every one of those guys, as soon as you tag them, they look up and they go, where the fuck did you come from? Yep. Okay, I came from over yonder because this is a base that's empty and somebody needed to be here. Well, that's so it. That, yeah, that's great, Thrill. I never even thought of that because we're, we teach the first baseman a trail. Like, tra- right, once that guy's by you, nothing, bro. nothing, now. Yeah. you don't need to be there anymore, bro. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you, you just tra- you trail the runner. But really, like, what you're doing is you're doing that. It's almost like you could cut in front of them. Right. You cut in front of the runner to get them. Holy right. shit. Right. I'm, and that's the thing. I'm that. making a beeline dead across. All right. I'm beating him to third base. Here he comes around second, and he's like, oh, nobody's going to be there. And then all of a sudden, the first baseman's there. It's like, where the shit did he come from? Yeah. You know? That's great. That's first, yeah. that's first off. Second off is the same thing that you're talking about. And this is a judgment call on the fly. All right. The first baseman has to trail him down to second base. But if he's trailing him down to second base, it's a legit double. It's a legit double. So you got two options. You can sneak in behind him and try to get the throw behind him and nail him, or you can peel off and become a double cut and relay. Mm-hmm. So you got two options. And it's just a feel. Hey, look, is this guy going to be an idiot and take too far of a turn? We can get him or not or what? So, Yeah, I, I like the idea of just kind of sneaking back in there. If I mean, and we're talking about because you're not going home at this point, right? If plus like, we, that, all right, wait, 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 wait. Plus, on top of that, we're talking about freaking Candlestick or Oakland that has so much freaking foul ground. I got an hour to get over to third base, you know, while this ball is up in the air. You know, on a regular size diamond, you know, some of these kids aren't that fast and they can't get across the diamond and all that sort of stuff. So it might be better just to trail them up well, a second. Fuck, fuck that. But listen to this. So I, like I tell the kids, there's always somewhere to be. Oh, I don't by care. Far. By far. Always by somewhere far. to be. Whether you're backing up, whether you're, whether you're the double cut person 
And the double cuts, and this is this is why I'm proud of the boys for for getting it, dude. They were throwing balls like from the outfield, and they were throwing balls say at the first guy's feet, and those are the ones that you let go, and then the second guy gets it on one hop. You know, obviously if they overthrow the first guy, but the second guy, if you think about the double cut, he's just a backup, right? He's backing up any sort of errant throw. But I was impressed with the way the boys were doing it. But I tell them all like. You have to always never take your eye off the ball and always anticipate where it's going to go. Always have it like this is this is where I need to be, and it goes back to the Derek Jeter play. It really does. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, oh yeah, without shadow doubt. All right, always so here's one for you. All right, here's one for you. Here is a run of the mill normal thing that happens a thousand times. All right, base hit to left field. Okay, boom, the left fielder gets it. The, the the shortstop goes out to cut. Second baseman's at second base. First baseman is at first base in case the guy takes too big of a turn and they throw back behind him and all that, all right? In the middle of all of this bullshit, what happens with an overthrow at second base? Who is supposed to be there? The freaking right fielder. He's got nothing to do. He's got nothing to do. All he's got to do is make a a 90-foot sprint, and he's the backup right there. Nobody does it anymore. Nobody does it anymore. Uh, Bro, I was always there. I can't tell you. I I played right field four years in college. As soon as that ball's hit, base hit left field, I run exactly in line of where that that throw would be coming in. And you know what happens? You know what happens? You get the overthrow. If the right field is in the right spot, whoever's at first base, he he's caught in a pickle because he's like, oh, shit, should I go to second? Oh, shit, should I go back to first? And the right field is like, I got your ass. Boom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's so many scenarios. Dude. Oh, yeah. I, well, I what, I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that right there goes to exactly what you're saying, which is you always have to be – at a spot on the baseball field. And and the one thing that we wanted to recognize was where is a base unoccupied? Wherever there was a base unoccupied, somebody had to get there. Somebody had to get there. And guess what? We had so many outs or created not big innings by not letting the whole thing get out of control because we were heads up ball players. So when I was with the bananas thrill, we would <laughs> we played Rover. And so we basically we would sneak in uh whoever it was, it, it was uh uh Reese Hampton. We'd sneak him in from center. We actually had a play where he's spinning, where he's spinning this the center fielders coming in, and then obviously, like in left field, same sort of thing. If if there's a base hit to right field. The left fielder goes and backs up third base there. Like there's, it's just follow the ball. It, there, there's so much you can learn in this game if you never take your eye off the baseball and you always know where the ball is. And that's one thing I hammer on, dude. This is all, all this shits in the let them play book. A parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. I mean, this is it. it it's, it's not. It's, it's a hundred pages. It's not a lot. It's, but it's, it's valuable, man. I mean, it, go to ericburns.com, E-R-I-C-B-Y-R-N-E-S.com for all the uh, goodies in there. Hey, and look, look, that's you even said it right there. Do not put your head down. 
I, I, you oh, see so many freaking guys get a base hit, and the first thing they do is put their head down. They're looking at the coaches, looking in the dugout. It's like, hey, moron, turn around. The ball's behind you. Pay attention to where the freaking ball is because if there's an overthrow, you can advance a base. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I never put my head down. I was bullshit until everything was settled and it was done. Then it's time to look and get a sign. So. All right, bro. I'm 20, ironically 22 minutes late for dinner, so I got to roll. But uh, safe travels out to Arizona. I really look forward to the show uh, next week. Tell Bowmel, tell tell the big Marine what's up, and uh, look forward to catching up, man. Yeah, we'll do it. And then, uh, hey, look, you know, it, this was this was a great show. I really liked it because you know Joe, Joe Manuelli brought up the you know the top stuff. We had a chance to talk about that. Got a chance to talk about the Giants. Uh, you know, still still going to keep an eye on the free agent market. You know, Bellinger yeah. got taken off. But, I mean, now that, now that you know, the Giants are having these little injuries with these young pitchers, it might not be a bad thing to, for them to jump out there and pick up a Montgomery or somebody like that, you know? I, so, bro, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I And I think this is a team that I don't think they're going to be the best team in the NOS for the next decade. They're just not – I don't think they're going to be built that way. I think it's going to be too hard for them to get – that many good players to be consistently that good year in and year out. But I do think they are good enough to be able to make the playoffs, to be one of the top 12 teams in the league. And once you get in the fucking dance, absolutely anything can happen. Anything can happen. And, uh, you know, hey, look, the, everybody in your chat room was firing off tonight. Thank you all for doing that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to have some interesting info for you guys from spring training on Tuesday night. All right, man. And then, uh, holy shit, dude. I, what I, else? I mean, good Lord, we covered everything. Jeez. No, I know, I know, I know. I, I, we covered everything except for our title sponsor. Oh, my God. How did we forget that? Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all of your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. Up to the minute odds, stats, trends. You can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use the promo code BLEAV, capital B L E. A-V for 50% off your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. That's it. Look at you. You are getting to be so good at that I stuff, know. man. Talented reader, man. You are a talented reader. I got to give you that. Even though you even though you got half of your eyeballs covered by your freaking pink hoodie. You like Beanie, this hoodie, though? Snuggie, huh? Whatever the fuck you call it. I don't know. Beanie. Yeah, there you go. I'll get you one. Yeah, that's what I need. I need one for the – oh, by the way, coming up soon. Matter of fact, uh, right after uh, Josh and those guys come into town for my 60th birthday party, uh, Savannah Bananas will be here, and uh, I will be out on the field with them. Uh, yeah, Viro is setting the whole thing. You, you guys have been going back and forth, right? Yeah. You're all lined up. Cool. I'm going to be, be texting him here pretty soon, so we'll have some fun. All right, bro. Have a great right. week. Safe travels, man. Right back at you, and uh, we'll talk on Tuesday. I'll have a lot of dirt for you. Love it. All right. See ya!